we have been looking at the spirit-filled life, and uh, it's all based on one uh, verse in the Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And what we've, we've really felt that this is something that our church is to be focusing on, so we've actually been going through it word by word. And what we've discovered is that this passage says that we're to fan, uh, use our faith to fan three things in our life. To see this power of God more alive in us, to see the love of God more alive in us, and then this last one, which is self-discipline. Now, this is confusing because it's easy to imagine how we need to trust God to experience his power. That's kind of obvious. Uh, if you've been around church for a bit, or that we need to trust him to fill our hearts with his love. But this idea of self-discipline often isn't connected to the idea of God's spirit. I think if you're anything like me, I view self-discipline as a personality trait or a character quality of a few, kind, of a few people who the rest of us mostly resent. You know, they're the ones who just seem to be able to set their mind to do something, and then they just make sure that it gets accomplished. And so we can see it more as something about our personality than something that God brings. The word here that's translated self-discipline uh, is only used once in the whole Bible. So it's a little bit harder to understand. It's used elsewhere in the Greek language, but only once in the Bible. And uh, what they, the best that they can understand it to mean is something about restraint or about the ability to resist temptation. But this idea of discipline is a common idea in the Bible. I'm just going to give you one, uh, one verse that talks about this. In 1 Corinthians 9.25, it says, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it, we go into strict training, this self-discipline, to get a crown that will last forever. So uh, I don't know if you've noticed, this is, this is going to be complicated, I know, but um, it seems as though people who win races have trained ahead of time. I, I, write that down. That's <laughs> profound. That, you, you know, there's nobody, I don't think, who shows up an Olympic event, you know, eating their hot dog, and saying, I think I could do that. And then they win. That's never, ever happened. Uh, it seems as though there's a direct correlation between winning and, and practicing ahead of time. Yet it seems as though in Christianity, we don't like thinking that way. There's a really big thing. If you haven't been around Christianity uh, very much, there's a thing that's a little bit uh, we get super paranoid about. And it's this idea of works righteousness. That if, uh, because Christianity is based on the idea of Jesus giving a free gift, Christians can be really paranoid about anything that smacks of effort or discipline or works. We don't like talking about that stuff. Because then it might look like Christianity is just like any other religion. And there's good reason why we're, we're nervous about that. But you can kind of swing the pendulum too far and get rid of this idea of self-discipline as something that's, I don't know, negative or maybe even unnecessary because of all that Jesus has done. 
But what seems clear is that the fruit of discipline, whether we see it in the Bible or we see it in our regular life, the fruit of discipline is actually victory. Uh, you can't have one without the other. Now, God is so committed to our victory in life and in the afterlife that he actually helps us by bringing further discipline. Not only does he ask us to be disciplined, he actually says, I'm going to help you with that. And you can see this verse on the screen in Hebrews 12. He says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Can I get an amen on that? Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So God says, I'm committed to your victory. And so not only am I asking you to discipline yourself, I'm going to add other things into your life to discipline you even further so that you can experience the victory that I want for you. I don't know whether we should say thank you to him or not, but, uh, but he does do this. And so you might go through life thinking, oh, look at all these negative things that are happening to me. And God says, no, actually, I'm allowing those things because they produce uh, a victory in you that you couldn't have otherwise. So this leads us into the question, what is discipline? If we're supposed to participate in it, if God actually brings stuff into our life for it to happen, what is it? Now, as I was doing my study... I came across a very uh, sobering, they said the image of, of discipline is the image of putting someone to death. Well, that's a little sobering, that, uh, that that's what the image that should be conjured up in your mind when you think of being disciplined or of choosing self-discipline is the image of putting someone to death. Now, <clears throat> uh, this is not uh, common, and I think it's uncomfortable for us to think this way, but think about a war. How are you going to be uh, victorious in a war? There's only one way, <coughs> and it's by killing your enemy. It's the only way that you can be victorious. You don't go into battle and go, yeah, I won. Because I just, I feel like I did. It's like if there's a, your enemy is still breathing, <clears throat> you haven't won. Now, I find that a really awkward way to think. But the Bible talks like this. And when you re read the Old Testament, we actually have stories, get this, in our, in our modern minds, this is just insulting. You have stories of God commanding one group of people to kill another group of people in order for something better for all people to occur. It's always for a greater good. But, uh, but death is mentioned. And that's just really hard for, grab, for us to grab hold of. But I think it's true. Now, uh, there's nothing in the New Testament 
that ever advocates for us to go and kill people. So that's not where we're leading this morning. Uh, don't attach a proper noun to your image of, uh, of war and death. We are not doing that today uh, or ever. Uh, <coughs> but if we think of having victory over sin, sin is the things that, uh, that destroys our relationship with God and other people. If we think of having victory over sin, then what that means is we actually kill sin. We don't suppress it or manage it or tie it up. We actually are commanded to kill sin. And if you're practicing self-discipline, it means that you're going to be putting some things in your life to death. And there's biblical support for this. Matthew 16 says this in verse 24, whoever wants to be my disciple or follower <clears throat> must deny themselves and take up their cross, which is a figure of, of, of killing something, take up their cross and follow me. If you want to be a Christian, you, will, you are being invited and, dare I say, commanded to be successful. You're going to have to kill some things in order for the life of God to be resurrected and fulfilled in your life. So what this means is that God's Spirit both empowers us to do things and actually empowers us not to do things. Christianity is as much about letting go of some things, killing some things, than it is about resurrecting some things. Now, I figured this out a number of years ago. I would pray... Uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I find it intimidating to talk to non-Christians about Jesus and invite them to become Christians. It's been a hard thing over the years. And so, since I'm afraid, what I would do is I would tweak my presentation of Christianity, what we call the gospel. And here's what I would say. I would say, um, Jesus wants to forgive you. He wants to give you new life. And he wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Would you like to receive that? Why not? I mean, I mean, if it's a big deal to him and he needs to forgive me, I don't really know what I'm doing that, that's bad, that's wrong. But if it's, if it's interesting to him, you can go ahead and forgive me. You know, go ahead. <laughs> like, why not? And if he wants to give me some power, I could always use more of that. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so we would pray. And, uh, and then I'd go, you know, you're in. Way to go, <laughs> whatever it is that you do. And so, uh, so, so, but here's what I would discover, is that afterwards, nothing really changes. Like, they just seem to be the same people that they always were. And I began to question my presentation of Christianity. And what I purposefully omitted was anything to do with death. I only want to talk about the life part, the happy parts. And I would leave out the dying parts. But it seems to have become obvious to me that unless there's a death, there actually can't be a resurrection. There actually can't be new life. And so here's what I find um, concerning for you and I that we're trying to do this Christianity thing, if that interests you, you're trying to do this Christianity thing 
by adding on more and more good stuff, but nothing is ever dying or, or, or getting crucified. And it just seems to get more and more difficult, which doesn't sound like the good news that Christianity is supposed to be. So if this is a key part of the Christian message about things dying, the next question needs to be, what must die? What needs to die is very simply, whatever kills God's love and power that he wants to give us. Whatever kills um, uh, the gifts of God that enable us to have a life-giving relationship with him and with others. Now... Can you just, you've you got to hear this. Um, so let's go back to that lovely war analogy. <clears throat> uh, it seems as though God wants us to kill things that undermine life and goodness and beauty. He wants to kill those things. Now, here's what else you need to know. That was already awkward. Those things are trying to kill you. And so if you go into battle, uh, those things are not thinking about negotiation and compromise and can't we strike a deal. Those things are going, I am intent on killing you. That's my agenda. So you can go through life thinking, oh, no, let's just get along together. But there's certain things, and I'll describe what they are in a minute, that actually are trying to kill us. And if you don't kill them, they will kill you. It's not like you can imagine a, a neutral world where they're not at war with you. It doesn't exist. I remember uh, the time that, that this first hit me. So uh, I've told you and others, sadly, about my driving habits in the past. Way better now. <laughs> Just way, way better. You should see me. Whew. And, uh, but back in the day, uh, not so great. So I used to, uh, I'm from Port Alberni, on Vancouver Island, and I went to college at Mount Spina College. They changed the name, I forget what it's called now. <coughs> yeah, thanks for mumbling that. Uh, something about Vancouver Island. <laughs> so, uh, so, and that was in Nanaimo, and so I drive home on the weekends. So I know this road, and it's a windy road, which means fun, right? And so I know this road super well, like really, really well, or so I thought. So I'm, so I'm going home one weekend, and it's really foggy. I can't see, I can barely see the car in front of me. Like, it's really, really bad. But... I know the road super well. And so I do some corners, and I go, I am almost positive that this is, a, this is a moment when I can pass this car in front of me. I'm feeling really good about this. So I pull out, and I'm right beside them, and another car whips by. It was two lanes on that side, one on this. And I'm in the middle lane, and a car whips by me in that moment. And if they would have been in the other lane, I would not be talking to you about dying or anything. So you could, anyways, but, uh, and in that moment, it struck me that what I think is amusing and fun, 
there's something else going on that has a sinister agenda and is trying to kill me. I could give a few more examples of that. I was enough for this morning. But where I almost, I almost killed myself because of my arrogance and uh, some addiction to adrenaline. <clears throat> What's trying to kill you? Um, we got to lighten it up for a minute, and then we'll go dark. <laughs> so, uh, so I have uh, I have a little video clip of my daughter, and I want you to know I I didn't ask for permission because <laughs> I might not have gotten it, and then I couldn't show it with you. So I'm not stupid. I'm not going to ask her for permission, and uh, I would like to show you this. Now, this is from Anvil Island, and uh, and. And what I understand goes on there, I haven't seen it personally, but I have seen the video, that there's a, uh, there's a wheelchair race. And so there's somebody in a wheelchair, and then somebody pushing the wheelchair through an obstacle course while things are being pelted at you. And, uh, and then, you know, the goal is to get through it and to win. So this is my, uh, this is my daughter uh, going through that, and I'll try to make it spiritual in a minute. But let's, uh, oh, I'm supposed to press, here we go. Did it not work? I don't go to camp. All of that is just super, I would never do any of that. Uh, um, <clears throat> but I think that this is true, that uh, we're going through life, and then these things hit us that are trying to derail us from the plans and purposes that God has for us. So what are these things? What are these things? I mean, that's just shaving cream and water balloons. But what are, there's actual things that are trying to kill us and derail us from where God wants to take us that have eternal implications. I'd like to suggest at least three to you. The first is demons. Now, you know, I already talked about death. That was already upsetting for some of you. Now I'm talking about demons. Uh, I know personally and have prayed for hundreds of people who tried super hard to follow Jesus and were unsuccessful because there were demons in them, myself included. And when God set me free, when we've prayed for other people to be set free, they're actually, uh, which means killing a demon. Uh, if I pray with you, we're going to cast out the demon and we're going to send it to hell. Not into pigs. We don't do that. We send it to hell. We want to kill it. We don't want it to go anywhere else. We don't want to do anything because it is 
our arch enemy trying to destroy love and relationship. And so we kill demons. That's what we do. You don't befriend demons. You don't negotiate with demons. You never do that, although we do it every day. Uh, it's it's uh, not recommended. And so listen to this. What if the reason why you're struggling with what we once called self-discipline is because you thought that self-discipline was about willpower, but really it was about killing something. And so you're mustering up as much as you can to try to, uh, to be a good person or to figure out how to have a real relationship with God, and you think that it's just because you're not trying hard enough or feeling it strongly enough, when really the issue is there's something that needs to be killed. Number one was demons. Number two would be desires. Um, I get this sense as I, as I, as I talk to people, and I, and I feel it in my own mind, that desires are just something that need to be tolerated. They're just something that you live with. I mean, I'd rather not have it, don't get me wrong, but it just seems to be my lot in life. Certain attractions, certain addictions, certain um, things that just feel as though they've been with me for as long as I can remember, so why would today or tomorrow be any different? And so it doesn't enter my head that those things should be killed. I think I should somehow get better or suppress them. Or, or wish them away. And so I'm praying, but I don't pray that they'd die. And so I feel stuck inside of desires that are only hurting me and others. Because I have a view of Christianity that doesn't factor in that some things need to die. Final one would be beliefs. Um, in the name of authenticity, I think that we, uh, we embrace certain things that we've, we've come to believe and then we just assume that they're true and shouldn't be challenged or even crucified. I can guarantee, because I know myself, that there are things that you believe right now about God, yourself, and others that are killing your relationships, killing them. You go... It's just a fact. My parents were idiots. I have a roommate who's an idiot. Um, I've always been weak. God's always been far away. These aren't, these are, these are facts for me. But if those facts are actually uh, destroying you, killing you, this is the language we're using this morning, then maybe you need to kill them. Like, maybe that's appropriate language given their agenda. But again, it's hard to think this way, isn't it? It's not natural for us. Life is more, uh, I love the word nuanced, where we work with things. We don't crucify things, we negotiate, work a deal.
So, God kills, um, wants to kill in us demons, desires, and beliefs, and he asks that he would join us in that pursuit. Because if we don't kill them, they will kill us. The final question, how then do we kill these things? How do we kill them? And I think that we kill them with faith and not willpower. Now, this is just super difficult to understand. Uh, Whenever I confront a problem in my life, I mostly assume that willpower is the answer. You just didn't try hard enough. You didn't feel strong enough. And no, I'll add one more. It's called technique. You just didn't know how. And so there's something that you should apply your willpower to. There's this new thing that people will say, well, it's mindfulness or whatever it's going to be. And if you just do that and you apply yourself to that, you'll succeed. And if you didn't succeed, it just meant you didn't apply yourself well enough to that. You following me? I mean, I think, I think we just so think this way, it's hard to imagine another way of, of tackling a problem. That, that there's actually this other way that we're to discipline ourselves towards that is about, is about faith. Now, um, let me just give you an example of this. Because, so, I... Uh, you know, I ride my mountain bike, but I, every time I ride a road bike, I get really severe pain in that knee to the point where I, I just don't ride a, a road bike anymore. And so I have done everything. So please don't give me advice. I'm sure I've done it. Whether it's adjusting the seat or uh, whatever exercise you're going to tell me to do, trust me, I've, yes. Thank you, but it's okay. I, I've done them all. I've been to every kind of physiotherapist who specializes in road cyclists. I've done all of that stuff. Still the pain. So uh, I talked to a guy. He was in the last service, Mark Penner. And uh, he's trained in physiotherapy in kind of a different kind of model. And since I'm desperate, I'll, you know, I'll try anything. That was the joke when he was here anyways. Um, but so I'm going to try anything. So I go to this, uh, I go to this woman and she says, the reason why uh, you have knee pain is because you broke your leg as a kid. And I go, great, you know, childhood memory still affecting me even physically. Just uh, can't get out of that family of origin stuff. But anyway, so, so she says, so here's, here's what I want you to do. Um, now, I want you to try this right now, all right? Just try this. What I'd like you to do, she says, I want you, this makes no sense, I want you to lengthen the muscle between your shoulder blades. Go. <laughs> like, like uh, how, do you, how do you do that? I've never thought about that. I didn't know there was one back in there, a muscle in between. I just, and so, so she says, what I want you to do is I want you to activate that right now. And I'm going, so I'm thinking about activating it. She goes, there, you got it. I go, Really? She goes, yeah, yeah, you just did it. I go, really? Just do it again. And I think about it. She goes, there you go. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea what you're talking about. Like if I go to physiotherapy, they're going to point at a muscle that I can see and identify and then work on that. And this person comes along 
and gives an, a completely new paradigm as to where my focus is to be applied, and it's something that I can't see and I'm thoroughly unfamiliar with. And I think that's what Scripture's doing for us, that we keep thinking it's about willpower, just push harder, greater weights, you know, strengthen the knee. But what if there's a whole other thing going on that we've not even been aware of? And what we're to apply our discipline to, killing something, resurrecting something, what we're to apply it to is the issue of faith, of believing in something, not just trying harder, but believing in faith that God can kill my enemies and his. Kill them. Not befriend them, kill them. This is exactly what's spoken of in 1 Corinthians. It, here's my, my sentence. It takes faith to have a past. Let's, uh, let's, look, at this, uh, let's look at this passage. Uh, I'm, I've started the sentence halfway through just to make it fit on the screen. The sexually immoral, nor drunkards, nor idolaters, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. I think that means us, <laughs> as far as I can tell. We've all done something on that list. Now, look at this. This is shocking. Because look at the list and where you identify yourself. And that is what some of you were. Wow. That's what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified by the Spirit of God. What if God would like to give you a were in your testimony? What if, what if he wants to give you, I know this is a weird way of thinking, but just amuse me. What if God wants to give you a past that actually is the past? and not just keep re-manifesting itself in the present? What if you could be delivered from something? What if God is so powerful, he could actually set you free from beliefs, desires, and demons? And he would say to you, that's what you were. But here's who you are now. And by faith, you crucify what's old, and you trust in the newness that I've made you to be. This is a radical way of thinking. Here's what I think is the problem with that. We don't feel washed or sanctified. Purity could be another word for sanctification. I don't think there's any of us here today who would say, oh yeah, I feel totally washed, totally clean, no guilt, it's all good, thanks. Or I feel totally pure. I just go through every day about this far off the ground. I just float. It's a wonderful, wonderful existence. I don't think anybody has ever said that. And if you, if you do believe that, I'd be happy to talk to you afterwards. <laughs> and so we have this reality of feeling impure, not washed, and we believe that. And for somebody to come along and say, 
that feeling doesn't have to be real. We don't even know how to approach that. No, you don't understand. This is what I've always believed. This has always been my desires. I've always been this way. And God comes along and says, that's what some of you were. But I've washed you. I've made you clean by my spirit. Now, which will you have faith for? What will you believe in? What have you applied your faith to? Feelings always present themselves as facts. It's just the way I've always been. And to imagine a new thing does take faith. But I believe it's the only way to crucify what is destined to die in the end anyways. So in conclusion, are you frustrated with the level of defeat that you feel in your life? Are you frustrated? And is your answer to that frustration to try harder? More willpower, a better technique. Is that your response to your level of defeat or to how the past keeps becoming the present? Now, please understand that faith doesn't erase the past. We all have things that we will always remember about our past. And the Bible tells us even that we're always going to have desires that need to be killed. That's the reality of the Christian life. But they no longer need to have power over us. They can be crucified by the power of the Spirit. So, are you frustrated with defeat? Does the past still feel like the present? What God invites us to do this morning is to practice believing in God's Spirit versus our feelings. That's what he invites us to do. Practice believing in God's spirit versus believing in our feelings. <clears throat> One last challenge to this is that it takes self-discipline. Think, am I saying Gary Sinek, am I saying it right? Simon Sinek. See, I knew I was going to get it wrong. Uh, you guys know he's kind of a business guru guy. Uh, watch, I'm just so bad with names, but I've watched a number of his videos and really liked them. I watched another one last night, and he was describing uh, millennials, which always amuses me, uh, since I ain't one. And so, uh, so here's what he said. I actually think it's true for everybody, but here's what he said. He says, one of the things that characterizes uh, the next generation is impatience, <clears throat> in that if something doesn't happen instantaneously, it's hard to believe that it'll ever happen. And here's the problem with some of the things that need to die in our life. They don't just die in the first stabbing. It takes a while for them to be crucified. It takes discipline to keep dying to them. And so what happens for us is we uh, see an enemy, we deal a blow of faith against it, saying, I do not believe in you, I won't be defined by you anymore, you're killing my relationships. I churn from you, outstanding things to say. And then we churn, and there it is again. We go, great. I just finished killing you, and here you are again. And what we don't know is that it's what are we believing about this moment 
than whether we see these feelings and desires again. And we need to somehow be able to say that there's a practice of crucifixion, of discipline, that is the only way to experience freedom. Will you and I have the patience to fight a war, not just one battle? Will we be able to apply faith over time to see ourselves experience the love and freedom and victory that we've always desired? But I think it's going to take a practice of self-discipline, not just a moment of it. And don't believe for a sec that just because it's a process that it doesn't mean that God's Spirit isn't in the middle of us and in the middle of those moments setting us free. Father, I ask that you would deliver us from the evil one that you would set us free. And I ask now that you would give us, that we would, that you would increase our faith to believe that we can actually have a past, that we can actually see things die so that your resurrection life could flow freely in and through us. And so would you, God, please, Meet us in this moment. And just as we have to concentrate with a, some muscle that's in the middle of our back, I pray that we would begin to exercise something other than willpower toward our enemies. And it would be faith. Faith to believe that the victory has already been purchased through Jesus Christ in the gift of His Spirit. Meet us in this time, dear Jesus. Amen.